welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I am getting to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What do they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? And today we have a special guest. We're getting to talk to Lauren Truelove. Lauren is a PHR. She's a SHRM CP. She's a CSP. And she's the Vice President of Administration at Unity Hunt. And I am so excited to have you on the show, Lauren. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my gosh. It seems like it's been forever. Uh, so for those who don't know, Lauren and I served together at Dallas HR, uh, met a few years ago. Do you remember the first time I was actually thinking about this? I was reflecting the first time I met you, and I believe it was at a, I'm not sure what you call it now, but it was a leadership board orientation at the end mm -hmm. of the year uh, several years ago. Do you remember that? Totally. Yeah. They have some of the best receptions, um, you know, that are out there. So <laughs> I, I love that. It was a great time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I just remember uh, meeting you thinking, you know what, I want to get to know Lauren. And um, here we are, you know, several years later. And so uh, thank goodness for Dallas HR. We're going to talk about uh, Dallas HR and volunteer leadership. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about um, your role uh, that you're playing in, in HR as a leader. But I want to start by, uh, so I mentioned you work for Unity Hunt, and I was wondering if you would just share just a brief highlight of Unity Hunt, and how do you serve your customers? Sure. Uh, so Unity Hunt is a large, diversified, single-family office. Um, we have about 50 employees, and our roles are, you know, expand over, you know, legal assistance all the way to um, our uh, accountants and tax managers. And really what we do is manage um, the families, entities that are from sports and entertainment to real estate, oil and gas, um, whatever we can do to um, help continue the growth of their businesses and, and make their lives a little bit easier. Okay. So there is a connection though. When you mentioned sports, the first thing I thought about was the Kansas city chiefs. I know you're a big fan and y'all have had yeah. some pretty exciting years last few years. What's the relationship uh, with Kansas city chiefs? So the hunts who are our owners and who we serve, um, they are the owners of uh, Kansas city chiefs. So oh. they own the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, they have, um, a couple hockey teams, there's FC Dallas, um, and Lamar and Norma Hunt were actually um, part of the founding owners of the Chicago Bulls too. So oh. um, they they are a huge uh, sports fanatic type of family. So oh. it makes it fun to work here. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Hey, uh, as, as we get started, I always like to start the show uh, by just like going back. I would love to hear the Lauren True Love story. And, you know, share with us, you know, where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into HR? Sure. So I am a PK, um, which some folks know what that is. That's a preacher's kid. <laughs> um, and so because of that, um, I uh, got the opportunity or privilege, I guess you would say, um, to grow up in a lot of different cities, born in Houston, went up to North Texas, um, then out to New Mexico then way up to Nebraska. And um, then I came right back to Texas pretty much as quickly as I could. So I uh, did a year at uh, UTA um, and then decided to go to UNT. Um, I felt like it would be just a, 
um, better fit for me. And I studied uh, development and family studies. So right around that time, um, I was uh, introduced to a staffing agency through um, a family member. And that is where kind of my shift from thinking I might go into some type of social work went more into the HR field, which um, honestly, a lot of the things that I studied in school, whether it was about children's development or social work and all that is pretty relatable uh, for um, the HR world too. So that's kind of where all that got started. At the staffing agency, we had, you know, over, um, you know, 2,000 employees, uh, temporary employees that um, we uh, were responsible for each week. And so it totally gave me this great foundation for the HR world because I um, was dealing with harassment issues and discrimination, um, gender issues, um, having to negotiate with clients. I mean, they're just every little, you know, bucket that you learn about in uh, your HR studies um, was just a, you know, uh, weekly occurrence um, there. So it totally um, set me in the, in the right position and uh, kind of gave me that foundation um, for, for moving on with uh, this HR lovely world that I am in. So yeah, it's, it's um, interesting. It's interesting yeah. how all of these different, like you don't realize it, like you were in the staffing, in the staffing world. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's where you got your CSP, which is certified right. staffing professional. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Okay. Yep. And so you're working in this in this um, in this particular industry, learning about all these different, um, you know, things that are going on that all relate to HR. Little do you realize that's going to like set you up for your HR leadership role. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are days where um, you know, I'm sitting there going, is this even real life? Does this stuff actually happen? Um, but like I said, I mean, it, it's given me just this great, um, experience and put a lot of the things that, you know, you study for these big tests and stuff and you think I'm never going to have to deal with that. But now, you know, you have some real life experiences to, to actually, um, put those two things together. So. Yeah. Well, I love how you talked about, uh, moving around, uh, being the, um, daughter of a PK, a preacher's mm -hmm. kid. I love that by the way. I had not heard that term by the way yet. Ah. And so that's, a, that's, I always love uh, having different guests on. I learned something new every time, uh, but you talked about all these different places you lived. And of course I'm in relocation. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking, Oh man, how cool is that? You know, you're, you're relocating all over the place, but of course, thank, thank you for coming back to Texas. Um, and it's been, so, so, you know, as you know, you're, you're an HR leader, um, and, but you've, you know, you started, you know, you started with a staffing agency and you've kind of worked your way into that role. I always like to ask the question around, you know, was there a time, um, or a moment or maybe even small moments? I, I think Dustin Pascal once talked about a bunch of small moments, but was there a moment whenever you you knew that, you know what, I love what I do. I'll, you know, of course me, I like to call it find your lane. When, when you mm -hmm. found your lane, was there a, was there a moment that you can reflect back to? Yeah. So I agree with Dustin that there, there are a lot of things just throughout your whole life that kind of um, put you into, you know, the path that you're supposed to go while I was in college. Um, and then at the beginning of my career, I, you know, uh, served alongside with the Collin County at, uh, Children's Advocacy Center. Um, I did the Leadership Garland uh, program. And so there were things like that that kind of um, 
put this desire in me to mm. want to um, lead and serve other people. But then in, I think it was about two years ago, my dad and I um, actually spent um, about three days together, uh, actually met up at one of the Dallas HR offices and shut mm -hmm. the doors and just um, talked really for three days. And we worked through what my life plan is. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was everything from what's important to me. Um, where am I right now? Where do I want to go? And how am I going to get there? Um, so it was a lot of processing, you know, things that you just don't naturally just sit down and, you know, sit there and think through all the life mm -hmm. turning events in your life and what you learned from them and, and whatnot. But it allowed me to really think through what my core values are and where I feel like I am gifted and how I can, you know, use that um, in not only my professional career, but, you know, giving back in, in leadership roles as well. Okay, so there is so much there. I want to dive <laughs> into this just for a minute because I'm I'm big into, of course, personal development. I've had different guests talk about the importance of personal growth plans um, that we're all aware, but a life plan. Uh, mm -hmm. First of all, my first question to you is, is that, did you initiate that? Did your father, were y'all just talking, saying, hey, let's meet? How did that come about? Um, so my dad became um, a certified life plan coach um, mm -hmm. uh, several years past. And so um, he had, you know, gone through this process with several people in, um, before. Um, he still lives in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, my folks try to come down here you know, maybe once a quarter or so to visit my, my kids. And, uh, when I knew there was going to be an upcoming trip, I just, I said, Hey, um, I know it takes a lot of time and energy and all that, but I want to do this. And of course, you know, he, he jumped all over it because um, he loves this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's kind of where that. that oh man, that is so good. Let me just say, if you're listening to the show right now, hit pause, pick up a pin Take out a journal because there's going to be gold in this conversation. Um, I just know it. I love it when you talked about the life plan, talking about values, purpose. So I, I'm curious. So you, you've mapped that out. Is that something that um, not only helps you, but maybe even you can even like help team members along the way, not necessarily being like the life plan instructor, but just take just takeaways and things like that. Has it helped? Oh, for sure. Um and like you said, here in the office or with my friendships, um, you know, and just kind of reminding people that um, there are natural things in life that either energize us or deplete us. And so thinking through what those things are in your life and, and for you um, can make or break, you know, um, a day for you or you know, if you're going um, spiraling, spiraling down, you know, because of just lack of energy or whatever, knowing what the things are that do replenish you, you know, so for me, you know, it's uh, listening to some um, upbeat music, worship music, um, exercising, spending time with my friends and family, or honestly, just being outside. Those, those are just easy, natural things that I can do. And it just, it helps kind of reset me. And then it also, you know, you, when you know where your comfort zones are and kind of what your, um, what you tend to, 
to go to when, when you are kind of in a rut and how to um, avoid some of those things or to recognize them. I mean, it, it just, it helps reset basically. So. Mm, oh man, I love that. And, and uh, when you just said that, I immediately went to back to 2020 and I remember, uh, you know, being in relocation, a lot of people, a lot of corporations stopped moving people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember thinking, I mean, it was such a heavy time and I was having a really, really hard day. And I was just thinking, man, I'm just down in the dumps. I got to figure out a way. So I pull out a piece of paper and I just start writing all these different things down. Uh, not only that I was grateful for, but you use the word that I love and that's energize. What yeah. energizes me? And I started writing all these things down and it reminded me of um, how I kind of came up with my purpose statement. And my purpose statement uh, is around, you know, moving leaders to inspire and change the workplace. And it took me a long time to like figure that out, but I eventually got there. But I love what you talked about because a lot of times whenever I'm trying to like think about, you know, purpose and, and different things like that, it always goes back to what energizes you. And mm -hmm. I just absolutely love that. So I, I know that anyone who's listening right now is going to get a lot out of this because many times, I, and, and tell me if you agree with this, I hear this a lot of times about, I'm not sure what my purpose is. Mm -hmm. I, I want to know. I really want to, I just, I, I just don't know. And for some people, it, you know, they, they know right away. Right. And for others, it just takes a while, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It does. And for me, and uh, I'm sure this is um, true for us, a lot of folks, but even being okay with and, and saying what you what your purpose is and being confident about that and not um, shying away from it, thinking, oh, well, you know, I can't, I can't do that. Or that sounds, you know, just so uh, boisterous or whatever, but accepting it and knowing that God gave you the gifts that he has mm. for a reason. And so, um, you know, to, to go for it and oh. accept it and be confident with it. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, you know, uh, so, so you have definitely found your lane and, and, uh, one of the things that I've noticed a common thread between all of these different leaders that I've had a chance to have these incredible conversations with is that they all seem to have these people in their life. We're going to call them mentors, right? People that have helped them along the way. Um, first thing I'm thinking is your dad. I mean, what oh, yeah. a great mentor to be able to say, Hey, let's put together a life plan. But uh, were there some other mentors that have helped you get to where you are? Can you share a little bit about that? 100%. And there's, you know, there's so many um, in all of our lives that we could, you know, just go on and on and on. But I think about, you know, at the beginning of my career, my my first boss, um, her name is Terry Schote. Um, she was a great sounding board for me and a go-to as I was starting out my HR career because I didn't know much at all. And so, you know, she was such a great teacher for me. The uh, director of the Leadership Garland um, program, her name's uh, Jan, she was awesome. She, she has the um, servant's heart. Um, she is a total role model for generosity and, and giving back to other people. And so um, I, I loved getting to um, just be around her and try to be more like her. And then, you know, I am uh, pretty involved with Dallas HR. And so I've got uh, um, some great friends from there and, and just other HR leaders who are, you know, further along in their careers than I am. And so um, I know that there are so many folks that, you know, I can reach out to and just say, hey, 
this is the issue I'm dealing with today. And I don't know if I'm on the right track. Tell me yes or no, you know? And so, Mm. um, you know, there's just tons of people like that, that I could, I could refer to, but, um, I will say both of my parents, um, and, and my husband, um, you know, they are the ones who have spent so many hours listening to me, um, whether it's complain or just, you know, asking for advice, whatever it might be. And, um, they've always been that, that great support for me. Oh man. I'm so glad you, um, shared that. And I'll tell you that, uh, a lot of people don't realize they are a mentor. Uh, like for example, I've read many books where I look at some different authors that have been mentors. And then I, you talked earlier about Dallas HR. I've seen so many different people. I try to emulate them and some of the things that they do because I just like who they are and who they stand right. for. And uh, no, that man, that's fantastic. I love that. Oh my gosh. I let me just tell you, I could talk about those subjects all day long, but let's talk about leadership. A 2021. Okay. I mean, thank goodness we're out of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, Life in the Leadership Lane is in season two. Uh, Tell me what what is uh, how would you how do you define leadership? To me, um, when I think of leadership, it is about going alongside um, the people that you are trying to lead. And so there are plenty of um, you know, yes, you're supposed to be there to make some of the tough decisions and to think big picture and all that. But in order to be, I think, a strong leader, you've got to be humble. Um, and you have to be willing to do the stuff that just needs to get done. So an example, you know, I give to, um, the folks on my team is, you know, if you walk into our, um, kitchen and there are coffee mugs in the sink, the dishwasher's right there, you know, you can just put it in there. It's okay. Um, if you see that somebody missed the trash can, pick it up, put it in there. Mm. So, you know, I think knowing that as a leader, you do have to make some of those really big decisions but also just willing to do the whatever needs to be done and not, I, I guess, just be having that humble spirit is, yeah, is important. I love that. I love how you talk about walking alongside. I, I had uh, recently had my daughter on the podcast and she was talking about on leadership, talking about being willing to roll up your sleeves and, and get in the trenches and walk alongside people. And you're saying the same thing. And I, that seems to be a yeah. common Thread, I hear the word humility uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit as well. And I think those those people are not only great leaders, but they're also well respected uh, within their within their within their teams. So um, so I are you I mean, we're we're here on Zoom. Are you leading mm-hmm. any different today than you were just, you know, nine months ago? I mean, COVID came and we all had to figure out how to do things differently, this new world of work. But here we are today in 2021. Do you find yourself leading any differently? Um, yes. Um, I think all of us, you know, and we're doing the best we can, first of all. Um, but, you know, just with engaging our staff members and keeping up with relationships, whether it is, you know, here in the workplace or even in my personal life, um, you have to be more creative with it. You have to be more intentional, um, you know, about, um, to just building that, um, relationship with the folks around you. So, that's one thing I've had to really, really focus on. And then I would also say that uh, I have just learned a lot about having some patience and um, understanding for people who have 
um, felt differently about this pandemic and how it is handled, um, you know, and remembering that, um, you know, everybody uh, deserves respect and patience mm. and kindness and all that, regardless if, if y'all are on the same wavelength or not. <laughs> mm. I tell you, uh, one of the things that I, uh, a, a common word I'm hearing also is having empathy because we really don't know what's going on in that other person's life right now. Uh, for example, um, when the, uh, when the pandemic hit, my wife is a childcare director. Well, my daughter and her husband uh, both worked uh, in the office, essential workers. So they were going to the office. So when the daycare was closed, that means she was keeping her children. Yeah. And so I had this one-year-old and this three-year-old running around my house <laughs> and I, all of a sudden my eyes just widened. I've always had empathy for working parents, but man, I saw a, just a different look, like at just at a moment's notice, I need to go run in there and help them with something. Right. And, um, I just thought, wow, you know, I think that, I think it's really helped us open our, eyes up to and we've known that before but we're probably just more compassionate about that you know i wanted to mention i read a book by bob chapman called everybody matters mm -hmm. and in that book and i've shared this on the show before that it said 88 percent of people that were in the survey said that people uh they don't feel heard or valued and I really thought that was a high number. And I went out and I, I asked another person about that. And they said, yeah, that's probably a good number. And I, I asked them why that was. And they said, because nobody's really contacted me. And, and they were a you know, mid-level leader. And I'm like, wow, you know, you don't really think about that, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, just those check-ins, like what you're talking mm -hmm. about, the importance of being intentional um, and things like that. How about, you know, coaching others up? I mean, you're, I mean, you're like, you're doing some really cool things, but how do you, how do you coach others up? I think one of the foundational pieces that uh, is a must is just um, giving it the time so that the person trusts you. <laughs> mm. um, and so, you know, if I, you know, walk in and, you know, try to give this person all kinds of, Hey, I'm seeing you're doing this and that, and let's try this. Well, if they don't know me from anybody else and they mm -hmm. don't feel that I genuinely care about them and that this is something that, um, you know, I, um, I feel is important for, for our relationship, not just, you know, so I can share all my words of wisdom with, mm. um, it's not going to go very far. So I think just, you know, making sure that there is the time spent so that that person knows that um, you do care um, and that, you know, you've got their best interest at heart is, is huge. So um, I think it's a, it's a very personal process. Um, so again, before somebody is going to want to open up and want to go along that journey with you, um, you've really got to put in the time to get to know them and to you know, build that that relationship and trust with them. Man, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head because I, uh, I actually was, have been, uh, doing some presentations around, um, around buy-in and, and influence. And one of the things I shared was that there's these different steps you have to go through. And the first step is building trust. And if you're not building tr many people, like they try to skip that step and mm -hmm. go straight to, I found a problem. Or, 
hey, we need to do this. And they don't realize they have not built that trust yet. And because trust takes a long time, right? I mean, you have to build relationships Mm -hmm. and relationships are hard to build. And so I always like to ask uh, leaders, uh, and I say leaders in the HR community versus just HR leaders, just leaders, um, how you like, how do you coach people up to, you know, get buy-in from the C-suite? I mean, people want buy-in on, hey, I, I want to hire this person, or I want to change this policy, or I want to, and how did, how are, what are some things that you, you do, you share to help people get more influence? Um, so I, I had to figure some of this out, um, recently when I came to Unity Hunt, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, they knew my resume and that was about it. They didn't know me, um, personally at all. So it did take some time just of, um, having some lunches and, um, you know, just some time to, to build some rapport, but even, um, one of the other, I wouldn't say more important, but a huge piece of the process is learning um, how that person is wired, what their communication style is like. Um, For instance, um, I learned uh, very early on that my boss and I are pretty much opposites um, in just how we um, approach, um, you know, uh, projects. I am somebody who is... um, I've pretty much got an idea of what I want to do and where we're going. And so this is how we're going to start and let's go. And if we have to make changes along the way, it's not a big deal. We'll just adjust and keep going and, you know, let's go. Um, And he is much more of a a data person. Um, Mm -hmm. He needs to know all of that planning ahead of time. He wants to know, well, if we do it this way, what are some of the possible risks for that? And what are the benefits to that? And uh, okay, well, what about if we go this route? And so that is so out of my comfort zone. Um, but I realized if I want to um, have him buy in, if I want to have him endorse this new project that I want to do, I have to come at the very beginning with all of that research and all of that data and to be able to talk through, okay, here's why I want to go this way. And here's kind of what I've already processed through. And so it just gives him, I think, more comfort and more trust that, um, you know, I've, I've done some due diligence there and not just go, you know, see my pants type of thing. Um, so I, I think a lot of times it's getting out of what we want, how we think, how we communicate and thinking about how that person needs to hear it and in, in trying to adjust your, your approach um, to meet them. Oh my goodness. Yes. I was actually thinking about, you know, uh, you know, we put together leadership links program for Dallas HR. I think you've been through that and how we all took And I'm thinking about this story, how we all took this disc assessment, right? Mm-hmm. There was a guy in that particular, in, in that particular group that he was the VP of talent acquisition for an organization it's just a, a tremendous guy, but he never would like engage in our board meetings. And we were just like, you know, does he really want to be here? And yeah. my eyes were open whenever we took that disc assessment, disc assessment. Of course, I'm an ID, um, mm-hmm. but he was on the opposite spectrum, like you were talking about. Very analytical. He needed all the data. 
to know he wanted like bring it all to me and then once you bring it to me then let's talk about it but until then i'm just soaking it in right i became good friends with him yeah and i didn't like i didn't know and so that that is a absolutely great example so do have you taken a lot of different assessments i mean are you are you good at reading people i mean so if someone else is like in your shoes or in their in in a situation how would like how would they how would they know is that just or is that just spending time with them um i do think part of it is you know spending time with them but um i am a big nerd when it comes to those personality um <laughs> assessments and stuff um so i've done you know disc and uh culture index um our, our company does a predictive index. And so I've, I've gone through those um, trainings where you learn about all of those different factors. And, you know, and the fact that we aren't all one thing, we're a mixture of things. And so, you know, just learning to, to, to see all of those different traits and that none of them are better than another. It's just who we are. Um, and so just, I think, a lot of it that I've gotten um, better at because I've studied it um, uh, has come through that. But uh, again, you have to spend time with the person and, and ask them, you know, so if you don't have these resources, if you don't have one of those assessments that you can go and pull up and read about the person, um, you know, early on, I uh, talked with um, my boss and when I got hired and I said, how do you want to communicate? Like, do you want an email? And if I email you and I don't hear back from you, um, do you want me to follow up or do you want me to leave you alone? Because, you know, it's there and I can just be patient, you know. And so sometimes it's just, um, you know, asking them, hey, what do you want to hear and how how is this going to work best for you? So I love that. I love that because, I mean, sometimes you should go and you just I mean, you just got to ask. Right. Uh, I love that. How would you like to communicate? And And I'll say that that's a great question, because. Many times we might send an email and we don't get anything back. And we're like crickets. Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you start thinking. Um, but when you know exactly how they communicate, then you're like, oh, you know what? He or she uh, typically responds in a couple of days or depending on the nature, whatever that is. I want to talk about uh, this uh, assessments for a second, because mm -hmm. uh, assessments are not only good in the workplace. They can be good in the community. I actually... Um, my son-in-law took the predictive index at his company. So of course he brings it home and he wants all the family to take it. And I just thought it was very interesting because all of a sudden now we're talking not at work, but we're talking at home and we're trying to, okay. So I would, I, in this case, I'm a maverick. And they were talking about all my different, all these different positives. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then it's like blind spots. You know, maybe he has a little attention to detail. And of course, my wife's like immediately, yes, that's him. But uh, do you go into that process, like with my daughter and her husband and my sons and his wife and my wife, all of a sudden now I kind of look at things a little differently. And I've been, you know, living with my family for many, many years. Uh, it can work in a lot of different areas, can it? It, it, it can. And and you're exactly right. I mean, some of those reports are uh, very frank and will, you know, say this is where, you know, when you go to the extreme, this is how you come across to people. And so, you know, you do have to be willing to to take in, you know, um, the fact that uh, 
your your strengths can also be you know weaknesses if you if you're not um, uh, handling things or, or communicating um, something delicately sometimes. But um, it reminds me of um, and this is silly, but my my gram she was one of my best friends and mm-hmm. um, I remember she uh, told me at one point she said you know and she was an English teacher by the way so um, she's anyway she said. The thing is, Lauren, you is who you is. And the older you get, just the easier you get. And so that has always just stuck with me. And it always makes me giggle because she, you know, she knows proper English. But her whole point is like, you know, you are going to be who you are. And um, you have to be uh, aware of all those characteristics. And so some of them are great and some of them cannot be great sometimes. And so, you know, just being aware of those things, self-aware and, and keeping those things in mind as you're, um, presenting yourself to whether it's colleagues or your family members or whoever else is in your life. Oh man, I'm so glad you shared that. I will tell (laughs) you that, um, Graham, did you call her Graham? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's sweet. I, um, yeah, I I have I have some a lot of weaknesses and I think that it's taken a point to where I'm like, you know what, I'm ready to I need to just admit I'm not good in that area. I need to find somebody that will help me and even if it's just talking to them about something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking in detail, uh, the reason why I thought it was kind of funny was because, you know, and I do a lot of like moving estimates, so I got to be like I got to be detailed. But Uh, There's some things. uh, So I, you know, published a book, you know, several years ago. And I just remember, you know, I just, I didn't have a lot of people. I didn't go through the process. Hey, I want to have 20 people read it, make sure there's no corrections or anything needed. And of course I published it. And immediately I had three or four people call me and say, Hey, you got a few misspelled words in here. I'm like, yep, that's detail. Uh, So I got it all correct. It was fine. But I mean, that, that was so true. So I know I'm very self-aware and so I like taking those as well. The DIS, um, uh, of course, the predictive index, uh, Melanie Schaefer was one on one of the shows. She's the CEO of talent mm-hmm. suite. And mm-hmm. she talked about uh, the importance of predictive index. And so I love that. Oh man. So have y'all, so you've done that in your organization. Has that been part mm-hmm. of something y'all have done? Yeah. So, um, it, it didn't become like, a. a requirement or a consistent thing um, until several years ago. Um, but all of our candidates um, take the assessment and and we don't use it as a, you know, it's a litmus test of yes, they're hired or no, they're mm-hmm. not. But we do use it just for um, to, to think about how they would interact with the rest of the team. And for this particular position, you know, we don't need a social butterfly who's going to be, you know, going throughout mm-hmm. the office the whole time. We need somebody right. who's going to be more, you know, um, analytical and detail oriented. And so uh, it is it is helpful to see, um, you know, what their traits are and how they uh, match up to, you know, the ideal person for that role. And, and it helps make those decisions for sure. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. You know, uh, my son-in-law, after he took it, he He's really dialed into, he wants to, he's trying to figure out now, how can he use that to manage his team? Uh, and not just to manage his team, just to connect with his team and trying to figure out how to work with them better. So there's a lot of value in that. And so I, I hadn't actually planned on talking to you a lot about 
but I, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's, uh, I think it's important. And, and I think we'll continue to see the trend of data analytics and, and different things like that, don't you? For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh man, this is so good. Oh man, let me ask you a question. I mean, you're pretty driven. What what drives you as a leader? Um, so I need um a variety in my life. I need challenges in my daily um life, and so those are you know just some of the things that um I have to have in order to to feel um like I'm being productive and that you know I've got. Um, I guess I'm heading in, in the right direction. If I start to feel like I'm um, stalling out, if I don't feel like I'm leaving things better, I guess, than how they were, then um, I just start to feel um, unfulfilled. I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I love that. I, uh, I was telling somebody I'm, you know, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. You like Brene mm -hmm. Brown? Oh, yes. She's so awesome. And I remember reading in her book, Dare to Lead. And it said, when someone asks you what your two values, so we all have these different values. And you talked earlier about values. Uh, but we should all know our top two. And so I decided after that book, I was going to know what my top two were. And that just somebody asked me, I was going to tell them. And so my top two are integrity and continuous improvement. And the reason why continuous improvement is number two is because if I don't feel like I'm like learning something new, I feel sluggish. Yep. I feel tired. I feel drained. And I want to like, I feel energized when I'm uh, like this conversation right here. I'm very energized. I call this my growth day, by the way, like I'm going to grow because of this conversation. And, and so that, that's part of that. So um, values, knowing your values, I think that's important. Absolutely. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, so let me ask you this. Let's talk a little bit uh, real quick about volunteer leadership. Uh, so mm -hmm. we talked about you leading your team. Why, uh, uh, why is volunteer leadership important to you? And, and talk a little bit about that. Well, I, I mean, I had my parents were role models for giving back, you know, since I was in, in diapers. So I think part of it is that's just been kind of the the world that I grew up in, but I just, I think it's important to, um, to give back what we've been given. I mean, I, I really have been blessed way more than I deserve. And so, um, I just, I feel like it is my responsibility, um, to, to give back. And, and I think when, when you do take time to, to serve, um, one, yes, you're helping whatever organization or um, group of people that, that really need it, um, but you often are going to be surrounded by people who have those same types of values and, um, you know, just moral codes that you do. And so you're surrounding yourself with people that you can be more like and people that you can learn from. So you're going to have, you're going to put yourself in a position to just be around um, mentors basically. And so I, I think it does as much for your, your soul and, and, you know, your energy and everything as much as it does just the organization that you're trying to, to help. So. Oh man, that's so good. And I know you've been volunteering for a long time. Uh, we recently, like I said, we met at, at Dallas HR. I, and so Dallas HR, for those who don't know, is a SHRM chapter in, in the Dallas area. Um, third largest 
chapter in the country. Um, and so you, you've been volunteering. What, what led you? I'm, I'm just curious, like what led you to Dallas HR? Because you were in the area for a while before you started getting involved. I was just curious, kind of what did that journey look like? And, and what do you what do you get out of that? So I, I did um, join um, at the beginning of my HR career because I wanted to be able to go through some of those um, educational programs and, mm. and, and all. Um, one of the first ones I did was their HR 101 course, and it was such a good uh, just foundation for me. It was fantastic. And then, you know, uh, I have over the years, um, the, especially these last um, four or five years, I've just become more and more involved. And I was introduced to some folks that opened the door to my current position right now. So, I mean, that was absolutely amazing. And so I, I think that even though initially I, I got involved um, to kind of be, um, just help me, help me with my career and everything <laughs> over the years, um, I've been able to, to find ways to, to give back to. And that's um, a big reason why I volunteer because I feel like they've given me um, so much to, to get me to where I am right now that I, I want to be able to do something to to help them. So. Yeah. And, and I know you've been very instrumental in the Collin County HR uh, uh, piece of it as well. And so, and, and you're fantastic. I, I've enjoyed getting to know you and, and, and I've admired your, your leadership and, um, and, and enjoyed watching you grow and continue to give back. You're so right. I had a conversation with um, an HR leader actually just before uh, the recording of this podcast. And he, he hadn't, he had never, he's been a part of SHRM, but he had never joined a local chapter and never got, it. he wanted to know what the value was and the benefit. I'm like, where do I start? Right. And I said, there's just something about building that network outside the workplace that not only you can like, you can just talk to people, right. And you can, um, and, and there's so much more, but just that's where it starts, right. Building. And you, I think you mentioned earlier, friends for life. Yep. Oh, for sure. I mean, there are phenomenal people within that organization. So um, again, at the beginning, of, you know, when I first signed up, I never dreamed that um, I would have as close of friends as I do. And again, there are so many people that, um, you know, whether it's posting on their HR Connect page and, you know, saying, hey, I need help with, you know, this issue. And all of a sudden you have 15 replies from people across all of Texas. I mean, that's huge. But I mean, you're, you're just surrounded by great professionals that, um, one, you learn to be awesome friends with, but, you know, are just great for uh, your professional day-to-day -day life. Well, I'm grateful because that's how we connected and uh, we've right. connected with so many of our friends. So no, that's fantastic. I love that. And so I'll put the, uh, the, the link to the organization in the show notes. If you want to check out uh, Dallas HR or some of the other things we've talked about, uh, you can, you can get to that. Hey, I want to, I want to shift real quick. We've talked a little bit about um, you leading in your, in your organization. We talked a little bit about volunteer leadership. I want to talk about Lauren leading herself. And I was just curious, uh, do you have like a daily practice or something you do every day that helps you keep on track as a leader? You want to share that? Sure. So I am usually up and out the door um, before my, my kids are even awake and stuff. And I try to get to the office um, uh, before most people arrive. Um, but on my commute, um, I take time to 
listen to either whether it's a um, a podcast or a you know certain uplifting music, whatever it is that's going to kind of put me in a positive headspace that I'm starting the day off um, in you know a in a good place. Um, there are certainly so many days that I'm exhausted or things from the day before could totally get me down if I just start going through all those things rather than taking, you know, kind of giving it a, a fresh start. Um, so that's, that's a big, big deal for me that 20, 25 minutes, um, you know, in the car on the way there is, is big. I, I do get here before a lot of other people and that, um, you know, hour and a half is huge just to knock out a ton of stuff, um, you know, before things get busy and people start knocking on your door and everything. I, I try to do as much of those things so that when people are here, I'm available um, and mm -hmm. I'm not irritated because I still have to, you know, answer this email over here, but that I can, you know, I can be um, approachable and, and available to, to the folks here. Um, and then kind of same way as I'm heading home, I, I try to mentally switch from work Lauren to mom Lauren. And so um, whether it's been a, a great day or a not so great day, I, I need those you know, few minutes in, in, this, in the car just to, again, let go some of those things so that um, I am smiling when I see my kids and you know, that I'm not bringing anything you know, from the office that doesn't need to be there and so that I can be a good, a good mom and a good cheerleader for, for them. So those are, um, I guess, um, I, I guess I would say I take advantage of the quiet times that I do have, um, in my day. Cause it's, they're very packed days, but there's always little snippets of time that, um, I use just to kind of, like I said, reset. So. I like how you shared that because you were talking about not only uh, do I need my quiet time? And by the way, all of the leaders on life and leadership, like they all have this system, right? You have your system um, and, and, and getting quiet. But what you said was, is that I want to get quiet. So that way, when I get there, I can knock some things out so I can be present. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I guarantee your team members appreciate that. And I think that's going to help a lot of people listening to this podcast as well, knowing that, you know what? Um, we've got to get ourselves in that in that mindset, in that frame of mind to when it's time to be present, we can be present. And you were talking about present at work, but you were also talking about present with your family uh, once you're off. And so I think that's super important. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. Um, I will tell you, that's one of the like somebody asked me one time about, hey, what's the toughest thing about leadership? And I said, for me, it's leading me. Like, you know, just trying to make sure that I stay on course so I can be the best person possible to be present for whoever, whoever I'm with that time. Hey, I'm, I always like to ask this question. Uh, any, you've been given any advice. It was, man, it was so good. Maybe it was from a family or friend or someone at work. It was so good. You find yourself just giving it from time to time. Yes. Um, and this is uh, something that I've had to work on a lot over the years. Um, but um, again, my dad uh, forwarded me um, an article not too long ago that was huge for me. Um, I, I like people and I prefer for people to like me back. <laughs> and um, this whole article was on the fact that you have to figure out 
the tension between leadership and being liked and that um, they don't always go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so figuring out how to be an effective leader and present yourself in a likable way, not uh, letting that desire for people to like you determine Mm -hmm. how how you respond to things and the way that you make your decisions. So it, it really just talked through thinking about why do I, why am I doing this and what are my motives behind it? And um, if it truly is something that is there to um, help people in the long run, and even if they don't want to go, you know, they, they may say, I don't want to do this. And um, they naturally would not choose to do that unless you, you know, were the leader in front of them that said, no, we're going this way, you know, just looking for ways to um, present that that leadership and that guidance and making those hard decisions um, while presenting yourself in a um, gracious and um, humble way, but still making the hard decisions um, to do what you know is right, um, even if you're not the the most popular at that at that moment. And so, I think that's that's something that I have to continue to to think through and to um, remind myself is you know there. There are going to be times where I have to make that tough call and I may make the unpopular decision about what we're about to do. And it's okay if there are people who don't like it or don't like me at the moment. Um, if, if I'm doing it for the right reasons and if I'm doing it for the good and you know what I truly believe is the right thing, then, then that's, that's what you should do. So that's that wasn't short and succinct, but that's kind of, that was absolutely, that was absolutely outstanding. And I guarantee you a lot of people are are listening right now thinking, oh man, right on target. Listen, leadership is not easy. It's just not, Uh, but it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. And that's why, that's why we're, we're leading every day. We have a chance to do so many good things but yeah there's some tough parts about it so no this has been oh man this has been so good i told you before we started the time's going to fly by so fast uh we're down to the last few minutes and what i like to call is time to accelerate so i'm gonna ask you a few questions uh for you to to answer so uh book or podcast podcast in the car and book otherwise So little in between. I like that. And I'm I'm the same way. I'm like, I was running this morning. I'm podcast. uh, And then I like to sit down. I like to read my book and that's great. Hey, um, what are you grateful for? First is um, the the sacrifice that Jesus has made for me and my family and for all of us Um, and the family that I have. Um, I have an extremely supportive and uh, loving family. And I know that that is not always the norm. And so I am every day thankful for that. Mm. Yeah, man, I'll tell you a lot of gratitude in being able to spend time with them during that uh, COVID uh, for sure. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, we're speaking of that, we're in 2021, Q2, here we go. Um, What are you excited about in 2021? I am almost finished with my master's program. So um, come August, I will be done. And it has been a lot. And so I am very stoked about that. (laughs) How exciting. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know that, man. So you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. and It's not an incoming train. It's actually the light that you're going to get through this thing. Oh, man. Hey, um, 
we used the word energizing earlier. What energizes you? Well, people in general, but um, I think more than anybody else, um, my my kids, um, Helen and Jane, um, they are like little bundles of joy. And so it's hard to uh, just not be energized and, and, and happy around them. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, so good. Okay. This is the last question. And uh, I love to ask this question. And I want to ask uh, Lauren, 10 years older, she's going to, she's, she's around the corner and she's knocking at your door and you're going to go answer that door. What's she going to tell you? I think she would say to enjoy the stage that I am currently in um, and, you know, focus and, and think about and just focus on the good basically. Yeah. Mm. Focus on the good. Oh man, that is so good. Oh, listen, you are definitely driving in the leadership lane. I uh, have enjoyed this so much. It's been such an energizing uh, conversation. Hey, if someone wanted to, I don't know, they wanted to connect with you or get to know a little bit more about you, uh, how would be the best way for them to connect? Unlike most of uh, the world, um, I am not on any social media <laughs> except for LinkedIn, um, but you can find me there. So uh, Lauren True Love on, on LinkedIn. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes. If you want to connect with Lauren, you, you certainly do that. And uh, if you're listening to the show and you enjoy the show, we would love to have a uh, five-star review. So rate the show. Hey, Lauren, thank you again for coming on uh, to just share your perspective and your wisdom. I've enjoyed it so much. I appreciate your leadership, especially uh, in Dallas HR. And uh, more importantly, I appreciate your friendship. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Oh, you're welcome. I cannot wait to share the show. I'll talk to you later. Bye.